Hello and welcome to another episode of Rebel City Podcast. Um, I don't know when we're going to put this one out. Like We've got a guest coming in today, but this might be the second time in a row, but it's just me and you. Mm. Aye. We've another guest midweek as well, so we'll maybe be picking the pace up a wee bit over the next week or two. No, we've been, you've been in a bit of other things, and obviously I've just been a fucking lazy bastard sitting watching telly and just been generally like lie about. So, um, I been an eventful week, but really, isn't it? Like <laughs> as far as like news uh, is concerned, definitely, man. Been fucking last, We were talking about the restrictions. Um, obviously, they've, they've come in, and the hospitality industry has been pretty, pretty badly hit by another sort of fortnight of closures. Um, there's a lot mm-hmm. of places. You know, places like the garage and stuff like that that converted into like daytime pubs only for to walk straight into like a two week shutdown. So I think there's there's probably right. some establishments out there that I probably feel quite bad for in that respect. Where they've went right, how do we adapt? We adapt by opening up a pub during the day, and then when they get their shit together, the government but goes I So we still, wait another two weeks. Can they not still stay open till six o'clock, or would they be they can't sell alcohol? I think it's any licensed premises is shut down. So you'd imagine somewhere like, for example, the garage would be serving alcohol. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, so I, I, I've got to assume they're affected. I think even places like the Cat House converted into a pub, although, you know, why anybody would necessarily like one sat well, in the Cat House during the days beyond me. But I noticed I, they, this. Like, they made the same change. I walked by the garage last Sunday and I walked by and I was thinking, is the fucking ICW, because the only time that you ever see anything where a queue or anybody at the door of the garage on a Sunday night, it's ICW. I thought they okay. get a fucking, like a show and there was bouncers and I was like, what the fuck is going on here? This is weird. Um, I did not know that they had converted to a pub. But so, all the nightclubs have tried it. Right. Can they stay open to six o'clock? And so I, I, I'm saying, I think they'll have been hit by this just as a, a number of them were in the city had converted into like almost a daytime pub premises. This came in, and because they're licensed, I'm assuming that they must be. So I think it's only like cafes, like so. I don't imagine that the garage or the cat house or any of these other places that have been affected. You know, they'll have just converted to pubs. I don't think they'll have been able to then convert to cafes. And then, Aye, of course. How many how many cafes do you need at the end of the day as well for a two-week period? It's going to be a lot of chopping backwards and forwards to make the changes, if you follow me. So I can't imagine that a lot of them would have been doing that road. You know what I mean? But it's, it's been pretty heavy going for them because, you know, when the lockdown happened, these, these were the industries that were, you know, biggest affected alongside musicians and artists and, you know, these kind of people. And, like... As things were starting to open back up, he held out. I hope that maybe people could start calling a bit of money back and start, you know, looking after themselves. And I, there's another two week interruption. Um, so I find no that like, some of the reaction that I've seen online's been a bit heavy. I mean, we had I don't even know what night it was. Was it Friday night after they've closed that some of the mm-hmm. service industry or the the pub industry and nightclub industry got together and went and emptied their ice buckets at Glasgow City Chambers? Yeah. I get that it's like probably mostly symbolic mm-hmm. but I don't understand for like an objective point of view why they're putting it on a Glasgow City Council for a global pandemic, why they think that the measures, I mean the, the Scottish Government have published every bit of data, I don't know if you, if you had a look at it, mm. they've published every bit of data that's no. led to them to come to this conclusion in a report as they should Absolutely, I think we were talking about that last week. We're like, just gonna just tell us the reasons why, like things are coming in, so that people can understand it. But even still, 
people are sort of like pushing against it. But I can also, I didn't comment on it for a few reasons. One, I don't work in that industry, so what does my yep. fucking opinion matter? But I can see it from both point of view. Like, ah, it's um, largely symbolic. It's about, you know, mm-hmm. all the drinks they could be making if restrictions. And, and I suppose we're an SNP council in Glasgow, you know, the symbolism's there mm-hmm. alongside, you know, an SNP government. Um, I just my own thoughts on that one was like, I did kind of get it myself, um, but we're in, we're in that situation where I don't know what else we can really do. Aye, um, absolutely. I think the weird one about it was is that I know this might seem sort of nitpicking or pedantic, but see if you're going to go and do like a protest, at least make sure that everybody distance so that you can be like, well, we didn't put anybody in danger by going and doing or we protest at Glasgow City at Glasgow City Chambers. And you're like, don't have people fucking rubbing shoulders as they're fucking dumping their ice for fuck's sake. Like, have a bit of mm. like sense about it. I seen as well, like, like one of the many mental health support groups from Glasgow in the wider area. And they posted a photo like Wednesday night, and everybody's like right next to each other. And you're like, for fuck's sake, like we want to be open. We want so you the people that are organising these events, they really need to make sure that everybody follows the guidelines to an absolute T so that we can stay open. I think this is what mm-hmm. part of the problem is, is that when the pubs opened back up, they've not really took the distancing too seriously and it looks like it's had like an impact on mm. like the numbers. But I think like just I would just like to see anybody that's wanting to speak out against the restrictions. I get it. Your livelihood's in danger. I understand jobs. Like I get why you are wanting to kick up a fuss. But see if you've got to kick up a fuss, at least do it. Keep yourself fucking safe while you're there and not making yourself an example of like how you should be mm. there. Do you know what I mean? Um, I, I mean, it's going to be a criticism until there's a vaccine for every type of gathering, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of them. I think that's two weeks will be interesting because we have made the assumption, and as a you know, in a general sense, that the pubs opening back up have been a contributing factor. Um, it kind of flies in the face of the fact that heading into winter, we know that cases are going to spike regardless. But mm-hmm. I think if we still see similar types of spikes whilst the pubs are closed, or in the two weeks after that the pubs are closed, then you know it may, to an extent, you know, vindicate some of what they're saying. Um, mm-hmm. And this is the thing, is like that's why we said we want to see the thinking on this, we want to see the work on this because it's new to everybody. And I'm I'm in the, I'm kinda of like some it does feel a bit slapdash, like some it does feel a bit like let's try this and, and that's fine because we are new thing, there is going to be trial and error in some cases, you know what I mean? Like in terms of like policy, there's gonna be mistakes, like we'll we all get that. But like mm-hmm. I don't know. I can get how people look at it and like, well, why does ten o'clock and six o'clock make a difference? Why does pubs make a difference but no restaurants and you know, all these caveats and like definitely needs to be more clarity and I think more data. And I think this two week period will hopefully give us some data to operate on because if we don't see a dip in the trend, then maybe it is just the fact that we're heading towards winter and it's you know, heading towards flow season and these types of you know, contagions and viruses and whatever else are likely to spread in those circumstances regardless. So it'll be interesting, you know what I mean, like, to I see what the results are. Like, I think I, I, I'm, I'm exactly with you. Like, I think that while we're in, like, uncertainty and while we're in, like, we don't know how to actually do this, 
I'm very interested to see what the results of this, and I think that a lot hinges on the result of this because if if they don't see a positive result in the R number, what they're trying to get to come down, they don't. Yeah. Obviously, people need to be aware that it'll it'll be in the fortnight after the it started so we'll start to see the yeah. results the Friday before the restrictions should be lifted back up but mm-hmm. if they don't then they don't really have a case to lock anything down again because if if it doesn't go the way and then that's it like if, yeah. if they try and come out and go well we're going to shut the schools again people will just be like no because you've tried it and it didn't fucking work so and I agree with you wholeheartedly where it does feel very much reactionary. It feels like very knee jerk. Like the the, I mean, like you're saying, like why the pubs? Why is it because the alcohol clearly and the SNP? I mean, we I could look at assumptions, it, and you, you could look I mean? at it very cynically that the SNP have got a track record of like shitting all over alcohol and minimum al- and having like minimum alcohol mm. prices and stuff like that. So yeah. you can understand why people are like, wait a minute, why is it just this? Um, and there's a level of form that you can point to that says, well, hold on a minute, there is a trajectory that we're on here that, that can be indicated. But I <coughs> I don't know. As I say, I think we've made the, the assumption. I think we've all or largely made the assumption, those areas are no involved in the hospitality industry, that the uptick is in some form linked to mere activity in those industries. Um, as I say, I'm happy at the minute to keep an open mind because, you know, the industries that, um, at risk are like massive contributors to tax and revenue and it's something that baffles me even more as to why like UK governments have not done more to protect them you know what I mean like because without the ability to socialise you know we've seen Cineworld disappear in the week that Boris Johnson's encouraging people to go to cinemas that no longer exist um, like, you know the contribution these industries make to the coffers in terms of tax and revenue are astronomical by comparison to some of the industries that have been out of their way to save from the apparent reason and I think we need to see more clarity on why that's the case, you know what I mean, because a lot of these are, you know, casual jobs, casual work or, you know, low security, like they're the most vulnerable to dropping off the radar in the manner that they have mm-hmm. and, like, aye, if we need the data to tell us is that the right way to go and attack this industry? Is it property locked in somewhere else? I don't know, man. Yeah. Like it's one of them where I think we're now at the point where we need to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I thought it was strange that the person that the BBC can thought was the sort of best person to go and get a reaction for was a guy that owned like a bunch of pubs in Glasgow. Like BBC Scotland had the guy that owns Bucks Bar. Okay. Um, it's kind of like you can almost like. I, I predicted how the guy was going to, you know, I didn't even, I, I wasn't, of course, I wasn't I. going to watch the video and I was like, no, do you know what? I've made an assumption that this guy's going to say whatever he's going to say and they pretty much said exactly what I thought. And see that the the campaign that's going to run, it's just, it just seems like for all angles, you're just getting it. Like the campaign that's going to run for people to write in their chalkboards, tell Nicola that 37 jobs yeah. here and, and I get it. I totally get it. But um, it just, it all just kind of feels like we're just we're starting to like really turn on each other now. Like the first lockdown, it was we need to come together, we need to get through this, we'll get through this together. Now it's just like now nah, fuck this. And the amount of people that just only following the rules or the the no the rules, but the recommendations. Like I went and met an ex work colleague yesterday and cost a coffee, 
in um, Royal Exchange Square and people were just like walking in, walking up and down the queue. Where's the toilet? And you're like, mate, for fuck's sake. Like, you're just, there's a queue of people there, masked up, two metres apart from each other, and you've just stolted in like a fucking toddler and walked in the queue and tapped people on the shoulder. Here, mate, where's the toilet? And it's just like, fuck off. Like, get the fuck away from me. And this is where it's, it, there's, there's definitely a group of people that are just going to just no bother their ass. Just no, don't give a fuck. No matter what right. happens, even if like, 90% of these follow the rules I think there'll still be like this 10% that just don't care don't give a fuck and they'll just Aye. go about their day the way that they're going to go about their day anyway I don't know for whatever reason I would hope that it's because they've got so much going on in their life that they just can't even let that they don't have the, the brain capacity to really think about like keeping distance with people and wearing masks and stuff but I mean like looking at the people it just looked like people just didn't care less couldn't care less about it mm. um, which is a shame uh, man, I've not had much in the way of experience of that. Let's say, um, you know, this week I've been keeping an eye on the way and who's been asked to self isolate after close contact with, you know, a, a positive case in a school. Um, and obviously, no being at work, you know, my out and about time has plummeted recently because, again, restrictions and, you know, various other aspects and stuff like that. So I, I, I get that people are starting to get touchy, but it's something that I'm I kind of outside their own at the minute, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. How are you finding just having to spend? I mean, the majority of your time what woke up in this? I mean, as I say, one of the reasons we've been covering books recently is because I've been reading books. Um, so I've been taking up a lot of time with that. Like, we've obviously batted a few ideas about for stuff as well. Um, I've Kept up with the gaming, quite enjoying that. Started that Red Dead Redemption 2, which is just huge. So, I mean, that'll take up huge amounts of time. But then, been spending time with the Wayne as well. Um, obviously, with her being after, because thankfully she's not shown any symptoms. We're about day 10 ish or so in isolation. So, she's it's, it's looking all right, you know what I okay. mean? Like, um, so far. But I've been trying to get her into watching some movies with um because I've spent my week split between being a cowboy in Red Dead and like watching like whole kung fu movies at night. Um, I went through the Ip Man series. I don't know why, but I, I think subconsciously my brain was after that kind of like westerny sort of vibe that a lot of the kung fu movies take up. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, so I tried to get her to watch Kill Bill with me because I thought that's a good like East meets West kind of like thing. Yep. You know, Aye, f- female character is the lead. A lot of women in it. Like you know, grown up movie. She's you know, sixteen now, so. I was thinking to myself, let's watch some grown-up movies. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I ended up start watching The Parent Trap because um, I get outvoted <laughs> and we ended up on Disney+. Plus. What one? So that one's not been gone. Well. The, the Lindsay Lohan one. Oh, the Lindsay Lohan um, one. It was terrible. It was terrible. But uh, I... Who is it that's the... Is it um, Jamie Lee Curtis that's the, that's the mall? And, no, that's, that's, freaky, that's, that's freaky, freaky Friday. Friday. I clearly Aye. don't know my Disney movies, but it's a uh, red. Uh, she was Liam Neeson's wife was the mother. She obviously passed away. In the Natasha Redbridge. That's a uh, I. So Parent Traps the one about the twins. Lindsay Lohan yeah. plays the two twins. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And you know, yeah. see for Disney, like it is an absolutely like it sends us some pretty fucking shocking messages about parenting. To be honest with you, because realistically, what it is. She, they have twins, they get divorced, they take a twin each, one fucks off back to England and one stays in America, and they don't know each other. So this da just basically packed up one of his daughters 
father on a plane and then forgets about her for 11 years and then the mother on the other side does the same and then they obviously they get back together because it is a Disney movie but mm-hmm. there's like they mention it like it's pure oh dad it's lovely to meet you you get to be like pure cunt where have you been for 11 years like, uh, pure, exactly. like, I get that to, I get that to stay with my ma but like you exist. Like, what is that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I, that, that gets glossed over pretty spectacularly and the way you not appreciate me pointing that one out either. There's an extended you know, edition where you get to see them go to, like, therapy and shit because they're so traumatised <laughs> by what happened and to the them when they were babies. Aye. Do you know what I mean? But that, do you know what? Like, um, before we, we talk about, like, your the, the East meets West, because I'm quite interested in that. that um, I won't, won't go into it before. Um there's some very, very poor examples about how to be a human being in movies and TV that I think that I was watching something the other day that um or I was listening to something the other day that was talking about like how bad an example for living like the nineties sitcoms like Sex and the City, Friends, like the examples that these TV shows give you, like um Joey Tribbiani's like a total rapist. Like that guy would be cancelled <laughs> so badly nowadays. Uh, it's like unbelievable. You can imagine him being like a dirty old man or one of the one of the old guys that that's like, all right, darling, and just like come? grabs a woman by the hips as he like moves past her. Like, there's no need for you to be touching her. He's just like, I'm just a nice old man, no threat to him. It's like you're a fucking sexual deviant. That's what you are. Uh, that but the, character. The like even like Monica's like OCD and they all just pander to it and it's just Hi, like, Ross is a crackpot somebody, I think I've seen somebody <laughs> tweet something this kind of lines about Ross was as an actual like you know controlling psychopath and you're like there is elements if you <laughs> look at it I probably is but then but this is, what, I, this is how we learn and like sort of modern this is how we've learned in modern culture is it's like pure right I, I've had times in my life when I've been a lot younger where I've actually thought about like something's happened to me and I've actually thought about like how somebody reacted to this certain situation. And then when I think about the example that's coming to mind, it's like, that's for a TV program. And how rooted in reality is that reaction to stuff? It's not at all, like, not at all. But I, I think, like, that's something that we, we do, is that we base a lot of shit and how we react and how we deal with people. Like, um, I can't remember what one, well, they just they just cut them out. They just cut people out of their life. And this is kind of like, Ah, that's what you do. People sitting watching TV programs and going, "That's what you do when somebody crosses you. You cut them the fuck out of your life." You're like, "Is that how a healthy human being operates?" I don't think it is. I think like, well, well, thankfully we're starting to move past that. But I think, um, uh, it's just a bit of a strange one that. But the East meets West stuff. Um, you you you'd say they're like uh, a lot of the kung fu movies. Like borrow. Do you think that? They borrow for the the cowboy movies, or do the cowboy movies borrow for the the kung fu movies? I don't. Is it like chicken and egg thing coming up here? I, I think it's probably I about one and the other. Um, what was the one? I think they mentioned it in Kill Bill. Was it Seven Samurai, Seven Samurai. or something like that, Which is like the Magnificent Seven. So whatever one of the two of them came first will be where it started in popular sort of modern culture. But I think it goes back further than that. You know what I mean? Like when you look at, you know codes of honour and, you know, basically like, you know, duels like gunslingers versus like, you know, karate fights and stuff like that, like there's a lot of like similarities so as I've been playing Red Dead through the day, you know, a couple of hours a day and just sort of plugging away with it, at night time once you know, Wayne's away to bed and, you know, sitting chilling out of being through the Kung Fu movies and I come across that Ip Man and that's kind of where it first like, 
twig back with me was like that these guys were essentially like Eastern gunslingers, like uh-huh. in the kind of traditional like, cowboy movies where somebody rocks up at the door and they're like, I hear you're the best, like outside, let's settle this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they would go away and have these, you know, spectacular duels, whereas obviously in the West it's just, you know, mud and blood. But mm-hmm. the same things, same things happening, even, you know, two different ends of the world. Like, so I, I've been enjoying that quite a lot. Recently. What's so interesting like, is that I've, I've, I love that man series. Like, I think they're brilliant. And I know there was a, the story is was... incredible, man. Like, I'd, I'd I'd seen them about for a while, uh-huh. and I was meant to watch them. But like, and again, I don't know how true his real life the movies that I've watched are. I did there a wee bit of reading on them because I was like, how much of this is true? And like, the broad strokes, it seemed you know fair. Aye, the life of the guy is spectacular, man. Like, just for aye, I think obviously just, like just balancing on one foot and like kicking forty guys while like balanced on like a tipped over chair or whatever like I, obviously it's exaggerated but like you said the broad strokes are Aye. like where the guy came for I think like a lot of the actual battles that you see where he had to fight against the Chinese Japanese he, he was see Japanese no it so was other way about he's Chinese and it was Aye. the Japanese were invading China invading. Mm-hmm. Aye. just ahead of sort of World War 2 and I, he has to essentially defend Chinese honour as the Japanese general, just as he's a Japanese martial artist and he's decimating other local masters. And in the end, obviously, he steps up to like be a, this you know symbolic Chinese hero against Japanese invaders. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, he, he taught Bruce Lee. He's one of Bruce Lee's masters. Um, you know, some of the ways that was covered through, it was quite comical. You know, Bruce Lee's coming to his door as a way and he's like turning him away and stuff like that. And again, might have happened, but just the way they handled that in the movie series with it was quite funny. Um so the guy's like impact on like several forms of martial arts like movies, like Bruce Lee, like all sorts is just absolutely massive. So yeah. it was good to get into that one man. Absolutely. I think the the differences even in the culture when you, when you talk about like the East versus West, where they really borrow for each other as far as like sort of overarching narrative like you're saying like honor and like the way that they they had the sort of ideas, but I don't really remember there being very many like wanted for rewards. Like it man's supposed to be the greater good, which is like a difference in the Eastern and Western culture that we see even like right now, where mm-hmm. you know, like the if we go back to what we're talking about in like COVID, where they, they think that in Asia or in Japan particularly hasn't been as impactful because they wear masks. They're used to just and the reason that they wear masks is because they don't want to spread colds and flus amongst each other. So mm-hmm. they've got maybe a sort of greater good ideology and sort of mindset when they think about like how they impact society, whereas we are mere the guy puts the sheriff's badge on because there's like a bounty on somebody's Aye. Aye. <laughs> Do you Aye. know what I mean? There's very, very anti-hero, you know what I mean? Like that's that's kind of what I'm aiming for in my Red Dead character. So it's like after after Westworld. I'm I'm going for the the anti-hero. I'm no necessarily being a bad guy, but if I get into gunfights, people are getting fucked up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but again, that's something that's probably quite you know prevalent in some of that Eastern stuff as well. You know what I mean? What um, I do think in terms of their narratives, in terms of how they you know have told their stories historically, like there's a lot of really interesting similarities. Considering there really probably shouldn't be as much in the way of like cultural crossover, considering. The geography and the time of the two places, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Like, so, as are those ideas then just like 
intrinsic human qualities rather than, you know, manifestations of any one particular culture. Who knows? Aye. It's an interesting take on it. When I watched the, I don't know if it was that man, I think it was maybe the first one, where, like you're saying, the guy turns up and they, they turn up at the village and they're like, we are the, the such and such for such and such Aye. village. And we have, I thought about like the schemes. I was, I wasn't <laughs> thinking more about the Wild West. I was thinking more about first day at school where it was like, who's the best fighter in your school? Him, him and him, right? There's four here. We need to sort this out. Who's the top man? And then like getting into other, somebody else's scheme and being like, who's your top man? Here's your top man. Like get them to fight with each other, which I thought was funny. Definitely. That, like you're Aye. saying, it's maybe something that's just like an or genetic code <laughs> as human beings just to be like Aye. that. If I drawn comparisons between aye, pre-war China and like post-Thatcher schemes in Glasgow, then aye, it might be it might be a wider <laughs> thing for us all. <laughs> Post-Thatcher, um, the I mean, my week, like you're saying, I've been doing uh, other things. Like I've been uh, get made redundant not so long ago, and been doing things like podcast production, counselling, been doing CBT with people, which is very rewarding. But um, whether or no I include this in our podcast, I don't know, but I think I, I want to get off my chest anyway. Some of the reaction mm. that Kenny Flip the Mindset has been getting on YouTube has been out fucking rageous. I mean, he's been getting yeah. called. I mean, this this is a guy that attracted me to produce. The reason I, start, I, I approached him, he put on Instagram that he wanted to start a podcast. And um, what attracted me was that the guys out there trying to put out like a positive message into the world. Absolutely. Suffered um, poor mental health due to uh, the death of his brother. Grew up without a dad, so I think his big brother's been a, very, like a father figure for him. So it's hit him hard on most people, and he's recovered. He's recovered to the point where he can function and he can like live a, a healthy life. I don't. Is the guy like fully recovered? No, he suffers from anxiety. I've witnessed that firsthand. Um, I've got a lot of admiration for the guy about how he deals with his anxiety, um, yep. especially when he's sitting down with people like Barry Ferguson, who's his hero, to interview him about his football career. And he's the guy's like five episodes into a podcast. Yeah, He's approaching about a quarter of a million across all platforms. He's been in the top 200 iTunes, uh, Apple podcast chart for the second that he launched the, the episode with Chris Bungard and he's done incredibly well I'm so proud of the guy for how he's, he's handled it but Absolutely. The, the comments that have been coming in on YouTube and I don't know where it where it's stemmed for I've got a feeling that it's stemmed for Cy Ferry's Cy Ferry was episode 3 and I think he's attracted quite a lot of the open goal sort of football laddie type of come in and honestly did like I mean there's people in there like tell that baldy bastard to shut the fuck up and let his guests talk. And you're like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, um, I don't know where it's came from, but it is like every single one of them's a guy. Every every one of them's like, oh, they're a football fan. And it just made me be like pure, like what the fuck is going on? Like in this sort of like we microcosm of society and like the sort of football, like male-centric football fan world where people think that a guy that's, wanting to come out and talk about his anxiety and talk about how he he happened to find himself where he was in his life and they across the people that are like his massive fans, eh? That they think that that's like a, a sort of a dog whistle for them to just start abusing people. It's just been Aye. so strange to watch. Quite disheartening. I mean, <clears throat> as well, dude. Like, 
we've we've faced it at times, um, as I'm sure almost really anybody that puts themselves out there in the public they're in the new world. Mm-hmm. But having obviously met and you know been sort of peripherally involved, um, nowhere near to obviously the extent that you have, just because you know doesn't need two people to produce what you're doing. Um, so. But I'm quite taken by how Kenny's reacted to it. And it's reminiscent of how I think, in certain respects, we handle ourselves, or at least how we seek to handle ourselves. And I think that's probably another one of the reasons why like yourself being drawn to somebody like Kenny is actually entirely valid, because like he's just pushed straight back against it. And like I've got a lot of respect for that. Because sort of, mm-hmm. he went into the comments and he tried to address them, he tried to engage with people, and like when it became clear that there are some comments that you know he was never going to turn around, he's obviously moved on, which is entirely the right thing to do. But I think meeting it, addressing it, and then actually saying to people, "Well, hold on, this is my podcast. Well, I'll do it however the fuck I like." Well, is something that I can definitely relate to because you know how many conversations have we had the other two in a bit years we've been doing it where we wonder about direction, we wonder about you know guests and you know topics and all these other things that we we touch on. And just went, you know, what we thought was best rather than what we thought might have been more popular or mm-hmm. more accessible or whatever it is. Like we made our podcast for us and other people thankfully have got on board with it. And I see that in Kenny and I, and I think when, you know, having met him myself, he's a genuinely lovely guy. And I, again, have witnessed how he, you know, confronts his anxiety head on as well and been really impressed with what I've seen from him in that regard. I think he's got a lot to say. and. Like of the other two hundred and fifty thousand people that have engaged with him, um, you know, I think the other ones that we should be listening to, rather than mm-hmm. the negative voices that see somebody out there trying to do something for themselves and you know, want to try and pull it down. Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely, man. I just, that's why I wanted to talk about it. I suppose, like you've get that, like you're obviously one of the, the my soundboards, and you just, I get a wee bit sort of frustrated. My advice to Kenny was just don't. Don't feed it like the the mayor, like you said. It became very apparent that no matter what the guy said, even though he's like, I'm trying to have a conversation, I'm trying to do something a bit different with this podcast versus some of the other popular podcasts in in Scotland that are interview based. And I'm trying to people just did not take to that. I was like, just leave it. The people Aye. that will come back are the people that you're you're wanting to engage with. You know, the people that are coming in and taking a dump on your YouTube video, and then so I it was even just hearing you say that and. Be like he's handled himself really well for your perspective, and I, I that's been good for me just to hear that. So uh, I just wanted to sort of kind of get that off my chest. The other thing, I mean, suppose we're kind of doing this back to front to what we usually do. We usually talk about what we've been up to through the week at the end of the podcast. But I don't know if you've watched uh, American Murder. The, I the, don't. The it's, neighbor. It's true crime. Wrong. It was one of the ones where it's uh, true crime. I've got oh no my time. fucking god! <laughs> oh, like, uh, I absolutely, but. Um, I think I got about halfway. I mean, if anybody's listening to this, and spoiler alert, turn off the podcast right now if you don't want to know what happens because I need to, I want to talk about what the fuck goes on. I got halfway through this documentary and was like, see if I think is about to happen. What I, well, if let me put that in in decent English, if what's about to happen is what I think is about to happen, I I don't believe it. I can't believe it. Like, is this guy like murdered his wife and Wayne's? Um, and me and Sharon were, were sitting speaking about it, and I was saying to her, like, the only way that I can actually think about this 
in any sort of rational ways to think that this guy's had some some sort of like psychotic episode. Like I can't like the the explanation that the the police and the judge say you're just a selfish man that found a new girlfriend and wanted his new life and so decided that the best way to go about it was to just wipe his old life off the face of the planet. I can't, I cannot get that through my mind. Like the, yeah. descri- the way that he describes him killing his own kids with one of them saying like, please stop. I was like, this guy must have had a psychotic episode that that's my only explanation to this. This guy's broke Aye. somehow inside and the, that's how he's done what he's done because see otherwise man like I can't think how a human no. being could do that today I mean I don't usually no. cry when I'm watching TV programs I'm quite stoic in that sense even though I do feel quite emotional but I fucking I was bawling my eyes out at the end of it when they, they were showing you the pictures in the video like the home video with the kids man I was like wow yeah. man how the fuck did this guy do this it's really horrific I mean I think his actions did spawn a new sort of terminology within psychology for um, a, f- a family annihilator or something like that, which has become an area of study as other examples, like the like the wrestler fella. Who was, Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit was another one who like, was a family annihilator. So there are other examples there, but I think this guy was the first one that they've tried to look at. Um, certainly the new younger girlfriend was a, a factor. Um, but I, I don't ever get why anybody who is unhappy in a relationship, even if there's kids involved, I mean, maybe a hundred years ago when like divorce and like single mothers and all that were like societally kind of like taboo and people were, you know, ostracized for their communities as a result of them, I would mm-hmm. get why somebody somewhere in, a, in an adult mind might go there. But like in the modern world where half of marriages end in divorce and there's, you know, you know, nuclear families or other place, including mine, like where kids are from other relationships and they're still family. Like, uh-huh. I don't see any legitimate basis for it other than like sickness. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. Or at least a form of sickness. Like, I definitely think, you know, the guy's behaviour has played a huge part in it. We're not trying to excuse him yeah. in any way. But no, no, not at all. It's that was more like. It was not like a thing for me to try and excuse the guy for what he did. It was no. just more like a way for me to be like, I, I actually can't get myself into any kind of headspace to think about why somebody would do that. That isn't no. like psychotic. That doesn't just break. What I did find funny was at the very start of the documentary, and I went back and listened to it because I was like, this is interesting. This is a, a very interesting point for me being a mental health professional. Is that the bit where she tells his wife that he, he murdered in the end? tells him that his kid's only going anywhere near his mum and dad and he just kind of he doesn't accept it but he's like almost you can hear the fear in his voice he's like I'll I'll sort it I'll sort it I'll sort it and then I did up to a point start to think I wonder how she's treated him I wonder like how Mm. how that relationship's went she's been very controlling about and then I was just like no 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 like do not think in it there is nothing that drives somebody to like kill their wife and kids. There's no bullying. There's no controlling. There's just Aye. just leave. I watched a YouTube video um, after it that was like what they don't tell you in the documentary because obviously Netflix they can't they don't they've only got a certain amount of time. Aye. And it's also out, going to be a level of bias in any documentary. Yes, you know what I mean? it turned out that the guy had had an affair with a guy like four years previous. He he, he was like closeted bisexual. Okay, um, he'd had multiple affairs. 
that they didn't touch in the documentary and um, the girl that he had the final of it. I know that this is conclusive in any shape or form, but the girl that yeah. there's a bit where the police are like, what do you think? She's like, I don't know anything about the blood. And it turned out like her internet history, she'd been like going on his wife's Facebook daily for like two years and stuff like that. So there's a lot, there's a lot more to the story that might be mm-hmm. able to explain somewhat. I don't know if there is anything that can explain I'll, it. But or at least provide like mitigating circumstances. Give you an like. insight into how a, a, an adult that's got two beautiful wings could fucking uh, smother them. I just don't... Aye. Un, unbelievable. But that's... That one was even more shocking to me than the Rodriguez guy, the American football player. And yeah. I think for like guys like Chris Benoit, where the science that we look into like brain injury and like that, wrestlers just take bump after bump after bump. And mm-hmm. you could maybe look to the, the steroids combined with the, the head trauma, combined with whatever was going on in that guy's life, I don't know, might yeah. have pushed them. Because he so, uh, that was like murder-suicide. So he definitely broke. He definitely had a psychotic episode, but this dude seems to have cold-blooded, killed his wife and kids, and then tried to like just be like, oh, I don't know what's happened here. Aye. I thought it was quite Sorry. weird to start with where his wife's friend and her husband are at the house where the police try to get in, and he shows up as if like, oh, guys, and you come, have a look around. And the wife's pal is like, oh, here's her phone, here's her keys, and blah, blah, blah. And like the partner's boyfriend or husband is in the back and he's looking at the police officer and he turns to me and goes like he's no right he does he's no behaving the way he normally behaves mm-hmm. and the cop catches it on his on his shirt cam or his vest cam or whatever it is and you're like that guy it took that guy like <laughs> 45 seconds of being in that house to be like pure this cunt is fucking dodgy and i'm like well that guy's instincts were absolutely bang on but i i don't know how Anybody could have predicted what was going to come. Um, and again, I'm with you in that sense where, like, you know, if you're not happy in the blues, just leave. Like, get your divorce. Like, look out for your wings. Like, make yourself available to them as best you can. Like, work it out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, be a, a grown-up. You know I, mean? I was like, doing mad, like I said, before I actually, like, had a wee check and went, don't, what, what are you doing here? I was doing, like, mad mental gymnastics. I was like, I wonder if, like, because she was saying that he didn't want to go near her sexually and then they were, when he told the story, it was like we had sex that night, and I was thinking, wonder if she and she's been controlling. I was like, I wonder if she forced him to have sex with her, and that's been it. And then I was just like, nah, man, get up! Like, <laughs> there's right. no, there's no explanation. That's just, just get up, man. Stop trying to think. The tone of the documentary did leave, you know, at least until fairly late on, the notion that there could be like a twist and something revealed about her that would indicate something. But I no, once you see the whole picture, you're like, this guy just was a scumbag who went after the deep end and his family paid the price for it. Absolutely, man. Shocking stuff, but this is... But, I mean, Netflix seems to have just went, we're a true, we're a true crime channel, <laughs> stand-up comedy channel. They're, they're, they know they know what they're hitting. Do you know what I mean? They know, like, obviously, oh, and, and the, the, the um, analytics and analysis that they do, they know what they're doing and they're, they're smashing out of the park, man. I mean, they, they must be dying for stand-up comedy to get back. So well, they true. I get some. some I think new as, as well, like I'm, I'm obviously you know addicted to the true crime side of it, but I think I needed to check myself during the week because I found myself watching some mad thing about like 
an assassination during German reunification. And I was like, an episode and a half in before I had to go, what am I doing the here? Perfect like, I, don't crime. Any, <laughs> I don't have any interest in this. Is that what it was I called? Just, the perfect crime? So. I just went, oh, true crime, and just like pure fired on him. Is like 90 minutes in where I was like, hold on a minute. This is like half in German, and I'm not even remotely interested. I just like muscle memory went, oh, Netflix and true crime, let's go. You know what I mean? What? But I know 80s German reunification was not my bag. I, I'd, I seen it pop up and I watched the trailer and was like, nah, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I just knee jerked it. I just knee jerked it. So, well, I mean, when we're, but halfway, so we may as well move on to like the news and politics and stuff like we usually do. Where do you want to start? This week it's been fucking. Every week we come and gone. It's been mental. It's been another quiet week. It's been another quiet week. Um, we start with Trump's COVID. I think so. I think that's probably like the biggest and probably like least surprising news story of the entire year is that Trump caught COVID. Um, Seems to have been at the the rushed announcement for Trump's third Supreme Court nominee after the the, the death of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, she'd obviously on her deathbed asked that her seat not be filled until after the election, and the Republicans who have been on a forty year crusade to take a conservative majority into the Supreme Court after they stopped laughing told her to go fuck herself. Um, really. St- well, no, literally, but in terms of what they actually went out and did immediately after she was right. dead, yeah, she, they pretty she much told her to go fuck herself. Was she a Republican? She was a liberal Republican, uh, like Democrat. Oh, she a Democrat? Aye, right, okay. Aye, well, it's it's, it's, aye, it's more about their ideology than their party, but I. Right. Um, so it's a lifetime appointee, which means, you know, obviously, Ruth, or RBG, as people were referring to her as, it's just easier was hoping to hold it after the election. I think she was in her 80s. Um, I think it kind of like flags up one of the big massive flaws of like the American system, particularly like when it comes to their constitution. These positions are lifetime appointments and these rules were written at a time when people living to 45 were like old-timers. Like, people were <laughs> not meant these rules were not written for people to live in office until 90 years old. Yeah. Um, so I think we need to like look at it. It's the same as like the right to bear arms. I mean, that right to bear arms rule or you know amendment or whatever to the Constitution was written at a time when you had a fucking one-shot musket that it took 15 say, minutes to hold. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it was not for an AR-15 AR rocket launcher. Oh, 100%, I, like, man. Like that, uh, there's somebody that's done a joke somewhere down the line where it's like they wrote that shit with a feather. Why the fuck are we still like living our lives towards it? Like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, so amongst, the, the always sunny joke with all it pure. The government today has got no right to tell us how to live our lives because the government of two hundred years ago already did it. And I'm just like that is literally what's actually happening there. But I, so Trump has now got his third nominee. Um, if he can get it in through the, before the election, which he absolutely will, because it's essentially the Republicans' wet dream for the last four decades. Um, then I'll have a conservative majority on the Supreme Court, which means things like abortion, gay rights and such and such are all on the table, particularly if the orange Führer, you know, gets re-elected. Um, Trumpistan. Oh, I'll my God. Like, he is literally sliding by the close and close into fascism. I mean, we've had Aye. reports Fuck. of 
forced hysterectomies, you know, fucking detention or yeah. let's call it what they are, concentration camps, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, he's now filled the judiciary across the country, packed with Republicans, including the Supreme Court, which means whether he's in office or no, Republicans can now probably legislate for the next 50 years. And there's no an awful lot anybody can really do about it. Like he's undermining postal votes. He's, you know, he's out there catching COVID, like spreading it across to almost everybody in the White House, you know, press secretaries, vice presidents. I mean, they're dropping like flies out there. Um, I, the whole week earlier has just been like absolute chaos. Like, Aye, man. As literally literal, just an actual like smouldering trash fire in our country at the minute. So it is like because I don't see any real hope for like major change. Like Biden's main policy is I'm no Trump and when we get into office, let's find a way to work with Republicans. You know, like, that, like that's the, this is the alternative we've got to Trump. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so even if he loses, you know, there's a big argument for saying it's probably already too late. Aye. I think we <clears throat> we rejected as a society as obviously I'm talking, not talking about me and you but we mm. rejected we've rejected change or other shop. Like it's just been we rejected Corbyn and he was painted as a terrorist and a communist which he wasn't. To think that um, Biden is anything that resembles a socialist is absolutely batshit crazy to me. Aye. Like for fuck's sake, and that—that's where I—I I find it. Like, if I think about it too much, I try not to think about it too often because it is quite dis- a wee bit distressing. Is is that we the we find things that seem common sense to be radical, and we can't like oh, decipher. Aye, we allow it to be painted as such. I definitely. Uh-huh. We don't know our soul for elbow when it comes to stuff like. So I am with you, man. Like the, uh, I'm I've disconnected a lot for the American politics thing, and I've dis- I, I don't want Trump to win again. But also in that same breath, I don't. I'm not really that enthusiastic about the prospect of Biden and Kamala Harris. Aye, I'm no. I mean that. I like you're saying. There's going to be no actual change that happens. It's just going to be a Democrat and people might feel a bit better about things. People might... Maybe we'll put some of the trash fire out, you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. but aye, the systematic change that's required across America, across every sort of... Western world. I, mean, like, we're at a t- I think we're at a societal tipping point where, you know, we are really dangerously close to the moment where it goes one way or another indefinitely, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but aye, we have written that's going on the new... You know what I mean? Like... Good luck solving anything else, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're definitely winding up to undermine the postal vote, though. I mean, you can hear it oh, every hugely. time one of them gets in front of the camera. It's this is it's it's open for voter fraud, voter fraud, voter fraud. Pence was saying it in his uh, his debate with Kamala Harris during the week as well, where it was like this, uh, you know, postal postal votes. Um, what what I find really distressing is is that they're not fucking challenging them on it. That nobody's going like, where is your evidence? Shows the receipts. Where is the evidence Aye. that postal votes have ever been open for um, ballot fraud? It's just unsubstantiated, and they're just—it's kind of like the last time they're just going out and they're just saying stuff. They're just saying things to build Aye. their agenda towards whatever it is that they're going to I mean. I don't. Do you think he'll just refuse to concede? 
So, I mean, aye, it's a possibility. What's, what's a bigger possibility, especially if he nominates a Supreme Court justice before the election, is that... So, the, the leading thought process is that, this, you know, 10 minutes after the polls close nationwide, Trump's basically just going to declare victory and then leave it for the court system to decide, knowing that the Republicans, during his term, have packed every lower court and upper court for the Republicans. Um, so this is like well I was talking earlier about like fascism actually coming in is that uh-huh. Trump is now manoeuvring the actual levels of power in a manner which could potentially allow him legally to contest the result of the election in a like January February time you know what I mean like, um, so I all sorts are legitimately potentially going to kick off the notion that He's going to take all these steps and then no utilise them. I mean, they're ultimately Republican strategies that Trump has just been the face of. Like, these things were all happening given the control of vote of the Senate and all these places aye, aye, anyway. Aye. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, this is no about Trump. Trump just happens to be there while this is also happening. But the fact that he's standing next to this political apparatus that could be used to delegitimise an election is extremely worrying. Um, and the fact that he's been non-committal about whether or not he accepts election defeat and stuff like that. They've put a lot of pressure in the last week or two on results being counted and announced in day, but because the election is so, you know, at risk and, you know, there's pandemics and early voting and late voting and different states have got different rules about when votes can be counted and all these things, like, it's physically impossible for all the votes to have been counted in day. So usually, right. what you get is a you what you usually get is a projection, and then based on that projection, one candidate and another concedes based just just to keep like their face on the news and stuff like that. It's all very like stage managed and whatever else. But usually, the the, the result was accurate. You know what I mean? Whereas this time, they think that Trump is going to use the changes to like the Supreme Court and stuff like that to essentially hijack that process and just announce victory, kind of similar to like George Bush and Al Gore when. Fox News came out and announced that Bush had won, uh, even though Al Gore had technically won at that point. It then went to the courts and, and was obviously, you know, declared in favour of George Bush. And we know what uh, we know what happened after that. So it's basically a kind of similar tactic where within a couple of hours of the polls closing, you should probably expect to see Trump announce victory. And if he does, then we are like through the looking glass. Into like really fucking dangerous territory. Aye, and who knows how that ends out there? It could be civil war. Aye, yep. And then power vacuum, and who knows? Well, who's going to say? Who knows who's going to step into? Well, we know who's going to step into the power vacuum. It's going to be China and Russia, and then aye, we're already there. <laughs> we're already a very and very. I well, whatever's left, whatever <laughs> is left of it, but but then we're in aye suspect territory when it comes to that. I mean. I think the like, debates were pretty funny, like if we, if we can call them that. I mean, I didn't really watch them because I knew the presidential debate was going to be just two old guys shouting at each other, which you know I can get down the road. And the <laughs> the, the, the highlight of the, the vice presidential debate was a flylander on some cunt's head, and then you're like, tells you probably all you really need to know about the debate. That the two things we took away from the vice presidential debate is that Kamala Harris threw a bit of sass at pens for interrupting and a fly landed on his head so I don't bother watching any of the rest of them because that's that's as good as it gets I'd be interested to see what the figures were like for people that actually like viewed it they're probably like shockingly low 
don't think people actually like give much a fuck. I think people know who they're voting for already. Do you know what I mean? It's aye, it's mere a tradition. I think in the UK when they came in, I vaguely remember them being quite well engaged with the start with, but because maybe as a as, as a result of having so many general elections in such a short period of time, people quickly became pretty bored of them. You know what I mean? Like, um, to the point where even in the last set of debates in the UK, like the Prime Minister or the current Prime Minister, never even bothered his ass to show up to them. You know what I mean? Aye. The, the so, ones I watched on <clears throat> BBC, I think I watched the ones when it was Cameron and Corbyn, and they just, I mean, you were like, Corbyn's making some good ground here, he's making some, and it just cut to the crowd and some fucking Tory plants then just screaming back at him about like <laughs> his views on Gaza or the IRA or whatever, just the usual just bullshit, just perpetuating the propaganda. So I, I, I've, the last time, like you're saying, people didn't even turn up. I just didn't even bother my fucking ass. But I suppose as, as we look, we tend today, and I think a lot of people tend today in Scotland and the UK in general, like we look at America and we think like, oh man, it's a bit of a shit show over there. But we've had a bit of a political shit show here as far as like yes. politicians basically just wanting their own set of rules when it comes to like oh, I... restrictions. And I think like this is what, We've spoke a lot on this about how the political class actually feed quite a lot of the discontent and they, they seem unaware of how their actions can be viewed. And um, usually at this point, when there's a scandal like this, the person would do the right thing and just kind of like leave. But I don't know. I, I don't really know what's happening as far as like, um, I don't even know her name. That's so I, mean. I think you're talking about Margaret Ferrier. Uh-huh. Um, so an SNP MP who showed COVID symptoms, got a test, jumped on a train to London, um, spoke at the House of Commons, received the results of her test as positive, and then jumped on a train back up the road, to, um, obviously exposing potentially you know hundreds of people um, throughout the process. Um, so I she got a lot of stick for that. First Minister <clears throat> and the Speaker of the House and Angus Robertson both told her to get herself to fuck, resign. Um, <clears throat> the party whip was withdrawn, meaning that she no longer represents the SNP. Right. Um, and, and she's now a, basically an independent um, MP at the minute. And... Well, according to the press today, she's now come out in the sun of all places and told everybody that she has no intention of resigning. Um, I mean, I, I, you couldn't draw a more clear correlation between this type of behaviour and that of Dominic Cummings. Um, I think when you look at the early resignation of the Scottish CMO as a result of breaching you know, the restrictions and the rules surrounding lockdown, you know, that was a no-brainer that that person had to go. It's slightly different because you can't make, you can't sack an MP to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but the blatant refusal to just even do the right thing. Some of these people are looking, people are looking at the example set by number ten and going, "Well, why the fuck should I?" You know what I mean? Like, and I don't agree with it in any way, shape, or form. And I don't think um, Federal's constituents are particularly happy for what I've seen either, and rightfully so. Um, you want somebody representing you that is working with the best of intentions and know what looks like, you know, their own benefit, especially at a time when we're just announcing a three and a half thousand pound 
pay rise for MPs. Um, it looks like Gravy Train Central for somebody who has definitely made an absolute cunt of it. You know what I mean? So, Was there any justification given at all like so, so far? The, in the, well, again, I, I didn't click on the Sunlink, but I've seen people sharing quotes and stuff like that. Um, the one that I've seen, so I'm assuming must have been for the article, was that um, COVID had impaired our judgment, which is a really famous symptom, uh, like COVID, because I've known three people who had COVID and every single one of them instantly went and got like questionable tattoos. You know what I mean? Like, so their judgment was like seriously impaired. Um, and I'm assuming this must be what the case is here. You know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, it's ridiculous. She should have just see, see you're going to come out with like a bullshit answer, like, oh, my judgment was impaired by COVID. Like, just come out and be like, fuck you. Like, I'm just not doing it. Like, you, you can't make me, and I'm not going to do it. Like, see you at the next election where I'll, I will lose my seat, but I'll hold it to the end by. Because I don't care. That's the message we all get anyway. You know what I mean? That's the underlying so, one, isn't it? No matter what the excuse is, is that people just get the feeling that you just don't give a fuck. You just genuinely just like, and what? That's what the Dominic Cummings thing. That, I mean, uh, he sat, just came and went, and what? Uh, we, we sat in the podcast absolutely tearing shreds out of the response to the Tory party. I'm glad to hear that uh, Nicola Sturgeon, and the, the First Minister, and the SNP representative and the, the spokesman in Westminster have come out and condemned it because I just was, again, that was just another one where I was like, I don't I don't have the time for that now. Like, I'm, I'm not getting involved in that. I just, Think was, of how many like stops a train, even you know a couple of dozen stops between wherever Glasgow and London, Two ways, like people getting on and off that train. I mean, the the damage that could potentially have done if exactly. she handles a, a button on the way into a train or a door handle, a toilet handle. You know what I mean? Like that's well, this brings us back potentially up and down the country. This you know is, I mean? this, like, that brings us back sort of full circle. We were talking about when we first came in. People's like disregard for like the rules or the recommendations and stuff. Is that mm-hmm. can you imagine if you had like taking every single step that's been given right for this, the word go when the WHO had come in and told us to start wearing masks and wash our hands for 20 seconds and what, what you'd done everything and you took your 70-year-old mother and your 10-year-old kid on that fucking train and seen her in that carriage. I mean, you would be rightfully fucking foaming with rage that she's Aye. just get no regard for anybody else other than herself, clearly, and just thought, fuck it, I'm just going to do what I want. I mean, I just don't understand what goes through people's, would go through her mind to think that she would get away with that. Or maybe they just, there's no consequences to their actions ever, so they just don't really... So this is it. I think it's the the, the entitlement that comes along with privileged positions is that some folk inevitably think that they're bulletproof. Um... But aye, there has been a cultural change. Like, you know, political scandals are no new. They go back to, you know, Perfumo and beyond. Like, it's no, you know, it's not a new invention that somebody in politics makes a mess or something. But what is new is that there seems to be a level of cover if you're bold enough to just ride out and go, no. You know what I mean? Like, now we've got two examples in whatever, let's say, the last sort of 45 months where really high-profile public figures have broken the rules and then just went, as you say, and what? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so it'll be interesting to see to what extent that sort of peripherates because it's one of the ones where there's not going to be people out there bold enough to 
to just make mistakes now and go, do you know what? What you got to do about it? Absolutely. Hey, well, mate, we'll end it there. Another week, another fucking soap opera in the world. And But anyway, <laughs> we'll see what the next couple of weeks has to hold. And like we're saying, we've got a couple of decent guests coming up. So looking forward to the next couple of episodes Aye. as well. Absolutely, mate. I'll speak to you again soon. No worries, dude. I'm now. You know you show the fear inside It grows below the upper line hole. You know you try to hold you tightly by my side When all is crashing down the surface you live underground sky fire comes around when the steel ring falls to the ground there is panic on the streets a blackened sea full of shuffling feet sky fire can't you see you can try but you won't break me Try, but you won't break me.